0: If you decided to listen to this week's message of Daxodeo Fighard Park, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. We all know that water is crucial to our survival, right? We know that after a long summer day in Bloemfontein, where it hits 34, 35 degrees, and you've been running around on campus because for some reason they saw it fit to schedule your classes kilometers apart, back to back from one another. Don't know why they do that. We know that water is crucial to our well-being. Water actually has really cool benefits, if you did not know this, but water actually makes your brain work better You did not know that. So if you feel foggy in class or at work sometimes, it's probably because you need to drink some water to hydrate yourself. Water boosts our immune systems. It helps flush toxins and bad things out of our bodies. Water is pretty good for us. On the other hand, not drinking water has a lot of disadvantages. Your brain physically starts shrinking if you don't drink enough water because your brain needs to be surrounded by fluids. So if you don't drink enough water, your body starts absorbing the fluids around your brain and your brain becomes dry and shriveled. How scary is that, right? It's bad. Make sure you drink enough water. And what we've been doing with this series, Come As You Are, is we have been looking at the invitation from Jesus that says, come as you are. And that is a simple way of saying, my brother and my sister, stop trying to fix yourself before you go to Jesus. Because for some reason, well-meaning Christians over history, and maybe you've fallen into this trap, but sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking, I first need to do X, Y, and Z, and then I can go to Jesus. Then I can bring myself to Jesus. And what we've been doing over the past few weeks, and if you've missed out on this, I want to encourage you, go check it out um, on our website. You can download all our sermons. But we've been looking at this invitation, come as you are, don't fix yourself. If you are doubtful, come. If you're skeptical, come. If you're angry, come. If you're unsure, come. If you're prideful, come. Doesn't matter. Because the invitation is for you to come closer and see and experience Jesus for yourself. Can I invite you to open up your Bible to John chapter 7. Fourth book in the New Testament, John chapter 7. As you turn to John chapter 7, I would love to invite you on a Sunday, bring your Bible with to church Bring your Bible with you, open it up as we read the scriptures together, bring a notebook and a pen or take out your phone, make some notes, but write down what you are experiencing God say to you. We're going to read together in John 7, verse 37, and it reads, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. All of humanity's desires, needs, and wants can be summarized in this one word tonight. Thirst. Ever been really thirsty? Played a rugby game or a frisbee game or run a marathon? Ever been really thirsty? This is a very natural physical part of our bodies. We know that our bodies were made to function on water. We literally cannot survive unless we drink water. And Jesus is referring to thirst in this passage, but he's not referring to physical thirst. He's not saying, listen, I've got a five liter, if anyone's thirsty, I'll hook you up, just bring your cup kind of vibe. No. He, in this sense, is speaking about a spiritual thirst. Because if you are unaware of this, let me make it clear tonight. Just like your physical body thirsts and hungers, your spirit also thirsts after certain things. And just like our natural bodies, they gravitate towards what satisfy us, right? So my... For some reason, my natural body on a Friday gravitates towards pizza. And I I can't control it. Like it comes over me. There's nothing we can do. We will rather go without toilet paper and rather buy pizza because that's just, it happens to us on a Friday for some reason. Just like our physical bodies gravitate towards what we think will satisfy us, our spirits do exactly the same. Our spirits, our souls, our innermost beings, they gravitate towards things that we think will quench that spiritual thirst that each and every one of us walks around with. So let me just ask you for a moment, what are the things that you run to to make you happy, to satisfy Do you maybe run to relationships, the next boyfriend, the next girlfriend, the next bed, the next arms of a stranger, whatever the case may be? Do you run to success, the next degree, the next promotion, the next kind of whatever will bring me in some income so that I can buy all the different things that I want to buy? Do you run or grab at things, material things that you think will satisfy you? What do you run to? What does your natural body and your spirit gravitate towards to bring you that sense of fulfillment. And what Jesus is saying here, he's actually saying, if you long for more, if you long for more than what this world can offer you, come to me. I have what you're looking for. If you're longing for purpose and you're looking for it out there, come to me. I have what you're looking for. If you're longing for a, a sense of intimacy, belonging, being connected or close to someone, come to me. I have what you're looking for. But we suck at that normally because we run to a whole bunch of other things that we think will satisfy, that we think will quench this spiritual hunger and thirst that we have. And it's kind of like drinking salt water. So just bear with me for a moment. of drinking it's like salt, it's kind of like drinking salt water. Salt water looks pretty much like regular water. I mean, from a distance, you can't even tell the difference, right? Looks exactly the same, has the same appearance and consistency, looks like any other glass of water that you would pick up somewhere. But I would be really doing my body a disservice if I were to drink this, right? Why? because I can be as thirsty as possible, salt water will never satisfy me. It'll actually do the exact opposite to my body. This will actually cause me to dehydrate even quicker, right? This will cause me to shrivel up my brain even quicker, right? But for some reason, all throughout our lives, we tend to run to certain things that that we think will satisfy This thirst, this hunger that we have inside us. But in actual fact, that's kind of like drinking salt water. Cheers. And here's the thing. It's only after consuming the fake that you would notice it, right? Right? These two glasses next to one look exactly the same. If there was no salt on this table from a distance, they appear to be the same. It's normally only after consuming the thing that you think will satisfy you and quench the thirst that you have in your life. And then you realize this is actually doing the exact opposite to me. It's killing me. It's destroying me. It's literally um, drying up my soul to such an extent that I feel parched and quenched and I can't survive. We might grab at what appears to be good, what appears to be able to satisfy us. But in reality, friend, it's only Jesus who can satisfy There's a a story in John chapter 4 where Jesus meets a woman and she's thirsty. He meets her at a well and they strike up a conversation about water. And she tells Jesus she's thirsty. She's been working in this well the whole day, going down deep with her bucket, trying to draw out the water. And Jesus strikes up a conversation about water with her and he says, listen... You think this well will satisfy you. You think you're thirsty. Let me tell you, you are thirsty in ways that you cannot even imagine. And the thirst that you have that you cannot even imagine at this point, I'm the only one that can quench that thirst for you. They end up having a conversation, and she goes, towards the end of the conversation, she goes, okay, fine. Give me the water that I can drink so that I will never be thirsty again. And at that moment, Jesus reveals himself as the Son of God, the Messiah to her. He reveals himself as the source of life that she has been looking for all her life. She ran to men to quench her thirst. She ran to beds and the arms of strangers to comfort her, to give her a sense of purpose and belonging. And here Jesus comes and he says, Your thirst, I've got what you're looking for. This well won't satisfy. I can satisfy. You see, there's good news for those of us who are thirsty. Because Jesus extends the invitation and he says, anyone who's thirsty, come to me and drink. David wrote about this very concept in Psalm chapter 63, verse 1. He says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. See, I need water just like I need Jesus. David likens his longing for God to be <clears throat> to being thirsty. And maybe that's where you are tonight. You know you're thirsty. You're like, "Amen Aiden, this is for me. Preach it. I've got it. I know I'm thirsty. Man, I know I need Jesus." I know I've been running to things that I think will satisfy me but in actuality I'm busy drinking salt water. And you know this is you. You know I've been running to things that appear to be able to offer what I'm looking for in terms of my purpose and my hope and my joy and my identity, but I'm actually doing the very opposite of what I need to be doing. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're only realizing now, shucks, I I might be thirstier than what I thought. I didn't necessarily think of myself as that thirsty, but now that you mention it, I don't think I've been drinking from Jesus the way I should. Maybe that's you. Let's go back to John 7, verse 37, because this is where Jesus extends this incredible invitation. It's irresistible. It's almost too good to be true, where he gets up and he says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. What do we notice first? I put it in bold even for us. What do we notice first about this sentence? It's the word anyone. Jesus gets up in a public space and he just shouts to anyone that can hear. If anyone is thirsty, let's quickly consider for a moment who, who might have been a part of this crowd that Jesus was sh- shouting at probably some Pharisees, some teachers of the law, some scribes maybe, or in other words, the religious elite, right? The professional Christians were probably listening to this statement. And here Jesus is saying, anyone, if you're tired of religion, if you're burnt out on trying to be a professional Christian, if you are tired of trying to keep up with the do's and don'ts of Christianity, come to me. And drink. Maybe there were beggars, slaves, poor people listening to this statement being thrown out to the public. And Jesus is saying, You who are in want, you who are desperate, you who are alone, you who are burdened by anxiety and worry, anyone, come to me and drink. Second thing we noticed. From the sentence is the word, let him come to me. Not me, Aiden, me, Jesus, speaking in this moment. Notice he's not saying, come to church. Come to the process. Come to the rules and the structures and the things. No, he's saying, come to me. It's a relational invitation. It's a relational invitation being thrown out and he's saying, if you're thirsty, I as a person, the Son of God, the Messiah, the one you have been waiting for, I have what you are actually, truly, genuinely looking for. Third thing we notice is he says, come to me and drink. And this is very simple because I can, I can look at water I can study water. I can read up all about water. I can YouTube interesting videos about water. But if I'm really thirsty, a YouTube video on water won't mean much to me, right? If I'm really thirsty, a really insightful article on water will not help me. If I'm really thirsty, Looking at a glass of water will be more torture than helpful, right? Friend, here is the reality. You can study Jesus from a distance. You can watch YouTube videos. You can read really helpful and insightful articles. But the invitation is not to study. The invitation is not to only look at and ponder from a distance. The invitation is to what? Drink, experience, taste, have it be a part of the deepest, most inner part of who you are. You see, Jesus never said anything just kind of by chance. He never said things haphazardly. He never made random statements. You won't find that. You will actually see the words of Jesus. Every statement that he made was actually loaded with purpose and meaning. And we read a statement like this in John chapter 7 and we go, that's cool. He's saying he has what we need. He's saying, come and drink. How special is that? But this moment is actually a 2,000 plus year old promise Coming to reality, if we go way back two and a half thousand years before this moment in Isaiah chapter 55, listen to what God promises to his people. He says, Come, all you who are thirsty. Two and a half thousand years before Jesus makes this statement. Isaiah the prophet is busy writing via the Holy Spirit, and he's experiencing God say what? Those who thirst, come. Come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. And then he writes this, and this is exactly what Jesus is getting to. He's saying, why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? In other words, he is saying, why waste your life drinking salt water if you have the source of life and eternal water at your disposal? Two and a half thousand years before Jesus gets up at this festival and he makes that statement, God was already busy speaking, saying, if you thirst come to me, come and drink. He says, listen, listen to me, eat what is good and you will delight in the richest fare. Give ear and come to me, listen that you may live. And then he makes the promise. The promise of the one that we have been waiting for and the promise of the one that these people in this John chapter seven story has been waiting for where he says, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. We see this play out in Isaiah 55 as a promise. Two and a half thousand years later, Jesus gets up at a, at a festival called the Festival of Booths. And what this festival was, this served as a reminder to the people of God, they need to remember how God provided for them when they were in the wilderness. They celebrated the fact that God provided for them. He made a way. He is their source of life. He is the manna from heaven. He is the water that they need to be drinking from. And here this man gets up and he says, those who are thirsty come to me. He's not just making any statement, dear friends. He's making a God claim in this moment. In this moment, he's actually getting up and saying, I am the source of life. The one that Isaiah wrote about 2,000 years ago. I'm that person. I am the one you've been waiting for. I am the source that you need. I am the one that can bring about life in you that you cannot even imagine. That's the invitation. Verse 38 says, whoever, Jesus is saying, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Last week, we spoke about this concept of come and eat, come and dine, right? The whole concept of come and dine and you will be satisfied. My friend, the promise in in this passage, is come and drink and you will be satisfied, but you will be satisfied to such an extent that the work of God will start flowing out of you to the people around you. Isn't that an incredible promise? Did you know God desires to use you in your friend sitting next to you? Quickly look to your friend in the eye and tell them, God wants to do something in you through me. Tell your friend that. And then, have, and then tell them, God wants to do something in me through you. He's promising that the work of God will not only satisfy and quench your own thirst for identity, purpose, hope, and belonging, but the work of God will actually fill you to such an extent that it will start flowing out of you into the lives of those Around you. He calls believers springs of living water. What does he mean by this? Let's read on to discover. In verse 39, he says, By this he meant the Spirit, the streams of living water that he desires to have flow out of you into the lives of those around you. My friend, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And he's not talking about scary, funky, falling around, barking like a dog, Holy Spirit. No, he's talking about the love of God at work in your own belly, in your own heart. And then that love spilling over to your neighbor, your colleague, your enemy, the municipality, ESCOM, all of them. The love of God spilling out even to those reaches and extent. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not been glorified. How wonderful is that? You see, as we, as we drink from Jesus, and this is the invitation, if you're tired of grabbing at things, this is the right one, you know, the one that still has a lot left. If you're tired of grabbing at things that you think will satisfy, things, and you can put whatever you want in this cup for you, right? Whether it's relationships, success, material possessions, a car, a house, whatever. Not all bad things, just saying, but if they become God things, then they, they're kind of bad, Right? And if you're tired of reaching out and grabbing at salt water to satisfy. If that's you, my kidneys are going to thank me later. If that's you, we want to respond tonight. I'm going to ask the worship team to join me on stage. Because in a moment, we are going to celebrate communion together. And I don't know what your picture of communion might be in church. Normally, we think of communion as this very somber, serious, sad moment. And if if I'm not sad about how much I made Jesus suffer on the cross, then I'm not doing communion correctly, right? That's sometimes our picture about communion. Where we go, I must be sad. I need to feel bad because I put Jesus on the cross. I need to frown as I'm eating the bread. And I, it, it needs to look as if it's ha-ha. I mustn't look like I'm enjoying this because I need to be sad because Jesus died for me. Friends, that is not communion. That's also not how we celebrate communion in this church. That's why I'm using the word celebrate. Because in this church, we celebrate Communion because we go, Jesus, I am alive thanks to you, thanks to your life, your death, your resurrection. I have been made new because of that. I have access to the source of life. I have access to the eternal source of joy. The eternal source that provides me with hope. The eternal source that can give me purpose. The eternal source that can tell me who I am in Jesus. The eternal source that can tell me what I should be doing with my life. The eternal source that can fix and mend my broken relationships. That can restore me to a place of hope and joy again. That is what I have access to. Thanks to Jesus. And if you want to put away the salt water in your life tonight with me, I want to invite you to stand. I want to invite you to stand with me. If you're going, I'm done with salt water. I'm done with running to the things that I think will satisfy. I'm done with running to A, B, and C because I think that will bring me joy. I'm done with running to the things that appear to be able to quench my thirst, but in actuality, they leave me more thirsty than ever. That is what we celebrate with communion tonight. I'm going to take this last big sip as a symbol. Let's pray together. If you're comfortable, can I invite you just to raise your hands? This is just a really practical way of saying, Father, I am responding to what you are saying. Father, we respond tonight and we say thank you. Thank you that you are truly the one that satisfies. You are truly the one that bring us fulfillment, hope, hope, and joy and peace and direction and comfort and intimacy and relationship. There is no other source, Jesus, outside of you. And tonight as we enjoy and celebrate communion, Father, that is what we choose to celebrate. We celebrate your life, your death, and the fact that you were resurrected to a new life because that means that I can also be resurrected to new life in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to respond in worship. There are communion tables spread out across the auditorium. I want to invite you, go to one of those tables, take communion, and celebrate the source of life that Jesus is in your own life. Let's do that together. Amen. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with him. We are all about family on mission.